Matt Fortuna is going to jump on and join us now. Writer for The Athletic, also host BetQLU in the action live from Chicago. Let's start with the college football playoff. Just it, it's, it's closing in now for us, and there's a long time, uh, Matt, that we have to obviously wait for this, and we can overthink a lot of these games, and we can overanalyze, and you know we can whet our appetite with the bowl games, but that's what everybody's really excited about is the college football playoff coming up soon. Now, where we are now have you thought about anything? Have you changed your mind at all about how you see any outcomes in these games going? Because I feel like sometimes when we have a lot of time leading up to games, we can almost talk ourselves into things or opinions about a game that we didn't have before. Have you stayed steady with everything over this time? Uh, relatively speaking, I think so. Like, look, when the games got announced, when, when USC misses the college football playoff, when Alabama misses the college football playoff, my, my mind in the year 2022 is already – going straight toward, okay, Caleb Williams probably isn't going to play, right? He looked like he got banged up in the Utah game. Why would he risk it against Tulane, especially when he's coming back next year? Same with Bryce Young and Will Anderson against Kansas State. But all three of those players have come out so far and said they intend on playing. Now, that could change between now and kickoff, but you have to like and respect the attitude that, that those players are taking into bowl prep right now and, and give you more confidence in USC and Alabama to, to quote-unquote, take care of business uh, than you would otherwise, because there's no question. You look at the overall motivation factors for, for some of these teams. Uh, Tulane is playing USC is a much bigger game for Tulane than it is for USC, especially with the way USC season ended. Um, Kansas State winning the Big 12 title in the fashion that they did um, under coach Chris Kleiman and quarterback Will Howard. Certainly the opportunity to knock off Alabama is more appetizing to them than the opportunity to, to win a New Year's Six Bowl game is for an Alabama program that just missed the college football playoff for just the second time in the history of the tournament. So I think determining motivation can be a tricky uh, you know, forecast, tricky game when you're talking about 18- and 22-year-olds, but there's no question about it. Alabama's the more talented team in a game like that. If they've got their stars locked and loaded and ready to go, certainly you feel more comfortable backing them. Matt, you talk about Alabama. They went on the recruiting trail, and uh, they had a monster. They have a monster class right now. Were you even impressed? Because we know they're one of the best schools, obviously, recruiting every single season. But were you even were you even impressed with how well they did today? I was, yeah. I wanted to defer a little bit to my athletic colleague, Aaron Suttles, who's covered that program forever. And he wrote a column today that essentially said, you know, don't take this for granted, Alabama fans. I mean, I know, you know, to, to your point, number one signing class is nothing new for Nick Saban. This is what that guy does. However, you know, there was definitely uh, so, so, some cause to be concerned, at least from the outside looking in throughout the past year, right? I mean, they lose a national title game. He loses to multiple assistant co- former assistant coaches of his last year, which has never happened before in Jimbo Fisher and, and Kirby Smart. And then, you know, Georgia comes back out this year and looks like the team to beat again, might, might win their second straight national title. And A&M, for all their faults on the field, did overtake Alabama in the recruiting rankings last year. Now, that obviously led to a war of words between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher, and that gave us plenty of good content throughout the offseason. But, but there's you had those two things up. You had up the fact that Alabama had their worst regular season in at least a decade, losing two regular season games this year. And it's easy to think, hey, maybe the dynasty's falling. Maybe it's falling apart right before our very eyes. Maybe uh, this program is not built to, to just be on autopilot and re- compete for playoffs and national championships year in and year out. But Nick Saban goes out there, signed six five-star players yesterday. As a seven today, an IMG cornerback, uh, Desmond Ricks, 
uh, and just continues to stock low talent. Obviously, there's going to be a quarterback question there when you lose a, a one-time Heisman winner in Bryce Young after next year. You lose maybe the first pick of the draft in Will Anderson. Um, but, but, but this ship is rolling. I mean, there's no slowing down Alabama. Again, not the best season on the field for them by any stretch of the imagination. But again, we're talking about two losses, both of which came on the very last play of the game. So this program is as good as anyone. Yeah, obviously recruiting is still massively important in college football, but now with the transfer portal the way that it is and NIL deals and guys essentially just getting recruited to new programs and seeing what you know, Lincoln Riley did, where it's, it's almost turned into free agency, where you just you can go out and pluck guys from other programs after a year or two. How much, how much has this already, and how much do you think it will continue to change the approach that programs, coaches have in terms of not just recruiting guys out of high school, but also building their programs or rebuilding new programs when they go somewhere for quicker turnarounds, being able to use the transfer portal the way that it is now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the calendar is just out of control, right? I mean, I think everyone was in favor of an early signing period when, when this thing got implemented for December five years ago. Uh, but the fact that it's in the middle of December and you now have the transfer portal and it's an eligibility and NIL all at once. Um, and you're going to a 12 team playoff next year, right? I mean, or excuse me, in two years, right? I mean, well, here, here's a hypothetical for you. If there's a 12-team playoff this year, Tulane's in it. Um, do you think other programs aren't trying to get Willie Fritz to go to their program, uh, to a Power 5 program? Mm-hmm. And do you think that's not going to be a little bit distracting to him as he prepares to play potentially for a national championship at, at his school in Tulane? And there are going to be examples like that every single year. And then when you see a guy like Lincoln Riley go to a program, a blue blood, but a blue blood that won just four games last year and come within a game away of making the playoff, overnight um, that's definitely going to accelerate the the pressure uh, on coaches elsewhere on new coaches elsewhere now not everywhere has the inherent advantages that a usc does um, but but certainly the timetable has been accelerated for for new coaches everywhere and certainly you're seeing more and more in season and early season firings because with this early signing period and with the transfer portal um, there is in some ways a quicker path to get back to relevance now that doesn't mean it's easier um, but the workload is out of control. And, and while the salaries are getting bigger for the head coaches and the coordinators, a lot of the people doing the dirty work behind the scenes, a lot of the personnel people and recruiting directors are, are making the same kind of money that they were making 10 years ago. Um, so, so definitely the climate has changed, uh, but, but you got to adapt. And again, I think Nick Saban has been great at adapting to, to whatever has changed in college football and his counterpart, Kirby Smart is right there behind him. I really appreciated Kirby Smart getting up there yesterday, signing another elite recruiting class at a high school, and he gets asked about not signing a quarterback in this class. He essentially says, why would I? There are better options in the portal. We'll go after that and get one. Um, and, and that's the approach you kind of got to take if you're a blue blood right now. Yeah, it's true. I mean, NIL, as we know, has really changed everything. Matt, want to get your thoughts on some of these bowl games. The Orange Bowl to me is a fascinating one. Clemson and Tennessee. I'm surprised Clemson's laying six against the Vols. I just think it's a bad matchup for Clemson because what they do is run the ball, and that's what Tennessee does well on defense is stop the run. They can't stop the pass, but we know Clemson struggled to really throw it all season. Would you take the Vols plus six in this spot, or would you lay the number with Clemson? Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm a little surprised this line is as big as it is. I I would almost, because I want to take the balls, I almost want to see if it it, it moves a little bit and you could get that touchdown or do you buy that extra point if you're a backer uh, of the balls? I mean, I'll say this. I think a lot of people 
uh, generally speaking, in the public sphere, are, are probably overreacting a little bit to one game from Cabe Klubnik. And, and granted, it was a great game in the ACC title game against North Carolina. He looked every bit like the five-star freshman uh, that he was hyped up to be. But, you know, immediately the conversation after that game shifts to, well, why didn't they play him earlier? You know, maybe they'd be in the playoff if they did this. Uh, believe me, I, I'm very plugged into Clemson, and, and that's been a discussion point externally all season long. And the pushback time and time again was, look, this kid isn't ready yet. We get it. He will be very good one day. And when we believe he's ready to 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 shine, we're going to put him out there. But I covered that Notre Dame game. And, look, DJ Uyangale was not great. The defense was even worse than DJU, though. And the minute they put K. Klubnik in, he threw an interception on his first pass. He looked overwhelmed by the moment. Now, it wasn't the, the most ideal of circumstances. The team was getting the doors blown off them. Uh, but, but you know, this is not Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence. It's a very, very good quarterback, a quarterback who may one day lead Clemson back to the promised land. Uh, but, but, but I think he had such a great game against North Carolina that everyone thinks, okay, they snapped their fingers, they fixed their quarterback problem, everything else is going to fall into place. I don't know if it's that simple. Clemson's had a lot of opt-outs leading up to this game. Uh, I think Tennessee is the better of the two teams if they're at full health. Obviously, Hendon Hooker's not in this game, but Joe Milton's been around the block, too. You know, he's started a lot of games at Michigan. He started a lot of games at Tennessee when he first got there. Uh, so I think Tennessee is absolutely capable of winning this game, and I would absolutely take them to cover. Talking to Matt Fortuna, college football writer for The Athletic, also host of BetQLU, in the action live from Chicago. You can hear right on the BetQL network. All right, looking ahead to the college football semifinal, Ohio State's a six-and-a-half-point dog against Georgia. I'm hearing more and more people at least whisper that trying, maybe it's just trying to justify, including PJ sitting right next to me, uh, that Ohio State can come out and win that game. I, I Listen, Ohio State is certainly a great team this year, but we watched how dominant Georgia was this season, especially defensively, just like last year. What does Ohio State need to do to be able to beat Georgia in that game, and do you give them a shot? I definitely give them a shot. I mean, look, if you gave Kirby Smart that entire dog staff a dose of truth serum in the lead-up to the bracket of dealing and said, who would you least want to play, at least among teams that are gonna, probably going to make the field, they, they would probably say Ohio State because – Talent for talent, when you look at the recruiting rankings, when you look at the roster, this is 1B to Georgia's 1A, I would say, and at least among the playoff teams as far as most talented. Um, they haven't always put it together, though. Uh, the last few years, there have been a lot of questions about their toughness, and frankly, they've done nothing to dispel their notion that they're a finesse team. They gave up over 270 rushing yards to Michigan in a game that they had circled on their calendar for, for 365 days. It, it, Michigan just won the Joe Moore Award as the off, off, best offensive line in the country, and the only other finalist for that award was Georgia, who doesn't exactly have the bruising Todd Gurley, Sonny Michelle type of running back that they usually have. But they are very deep and they are very creative uh, with offense coordinator Todd Monk. And they've had six different people eclipse 100 yards total rushing on the year, which doesn't even include Brock Bowers or tight end, who has 93 rushing yards on the year. Uh, they have a great offensive line. They are tied for second fewest sacks allowed nationally uh, with just seven. And it's not like they have the most mobile quarterback back there in Stetson Bennett as well. I think, you know, in, in some ways the identity of this Georgia football team is taking a bit of a turn. We, we know them as this dominant defense and they've been great defensively this year, but they haven't exactly lived up um, to, to the Bulldog standard of a year ago, as you would expect when you lose as many draft picks as they did. They ranked just 50th nationally against the pass. They're not particularly great at getting to the quarterback or at forcing turnovers. So I think there will be plays to be had there for Ohio State. 
Uh, I'd like to see C.J. Stroud use his legs a little bit more. The only time he really did it the last two years was in the Northwestern game this year when the winds were so bad that they knew they couldn't pass the ball, and eventually they were going to have to, to make something happen outside the pocket. This has not been an elite rushing attack from Ohio State. They've been very one-dimensional through the air, and I get it. They've got probably the best collection of wide receivers in the country, even with Jackson Smith and Jigba being out for most of the season. But they're going to eventually have to do something on the ground to have a chance in this game. And you know, it's going to be a virtual road environment for them in Atlanta, too. And I, I just look, I, I get the hype with Ohio State. I get the talent. Uh, I get why they're scary to some Georgia fans. I, I'm just in prove-it mode right now with the Buckeyes because it's been two years of this with them. He's Matt Fortuna. Good stuff, man. Thanks for coming on with us. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. I can't wait for the college football. Oh, man. Game. Like, I just, there's the, the anticipation of all of these games taking so long to, like, I, I know you love the bowl games. You love the bowl games more than me. I'll watch some. I'll bet on a couple. I'm just not into it like you. I'm just like, I want the real stuff. These are, these are sponsored exhibition games that you can bet on, which is great, but I want the real games, man. That's oh. why I can't wait for the 12 team playoff. Me, oh, I can't wait. I'm so glad they finally decided to do that. You knew it was going to happen, though. You did. It's just good for the sport, too, because. You know, there are a lot of great bowl games that aren't the college football playoff. Like, that Clemson-Tennessee game is going to mm-hmm. be really good. Notre yes. Dame-South Carolina yes. is going to be like, there's some good games out there. I'm also really disappointed cares. for Tennessee. Like, this year could have been so different for them. Once what? Hendon Hooker got hurt, that was it. Yeah. That was it. And that... I really wanted to see that program get back to that point just because of the history of them. And Hendon Hooker was just having such a great season. Heisman favorite for a while. I, I really wanted to see them get in. They had an unbelievable season. Yeah. They that South Carolina loss that that was a tough one because all the chaos that happened after that they would have found themselves in the yeah. playoff. They would have gotten in over Ohio State. Definitely a missed opportunity.